You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Good morning, it's April 10th and I'm Chris DeLambert, my partner in crime, Brandon Atkins, hanging out with me. Good morning. And I suppose before we go anywhere, I've got to give you five minutes to puff your chest out. Only five minutes? Only five minutes. That's You're on the clock, buddy. But UNC, since the last time we spoke, came through with their sixth national championship. Right. And uh, it was amazing. You're clairvoyant. I, I watched the game, and everything that happened, I thought, Brandon was on this, all the way down to crying about the officiating. And I know we're sort of a week removed, but that's just kind of how it works when, yeah, you, when it's you're still on the fresh. week. It's still fresh, though. So I got plenty to talk about. Just like myself and Sergio, Sergio Garcia had something in common prior to yesterday. That you can't putt? That we both did not have a, a major win. Um, Duke and Carolina had something in common. Five championships until last Monday. Now Carolina has six. So go Tar Heels. I couldn't be happier. It still doesn't feel real um, that we have six, one more than the Duke Blue Devils. Six. We actually won one back in 57, beat Wilt Chamberlain, but for some reason nobody counts that. So I think we have seven, but officially we have six. Okay. So So for the record, you have six. That's one more than Duke. That's right. And, And how much does it hurt you as a Carolina fan who holds Dean Smith sort of in demigod status? To have to say that Roy Williams has three versus Dean Smith's two. It doesn't hurt because if if you know basketball, you don't even really have to know basketball. This is Dean Smith's system with a few t- tweaks that Roy has put in over the years, but nothing has really changed. Maybe some of the subs and the usage of timeouts, but it's a system. So, I mean, it, I know Roy would be the first one to give Dean credit 
But going back to the game before you make me shut up about the Tar Heels. I want to I want to clear one thing up before you go ahead on. Okay. It, basically, what you just did is you gave Dean Smith credit for the three Roy Williams championships. So basically, Dean Smith has five national championships is what you're saying. No, Roy deserves all the credit. But to say he is doing it in a different way, you got to go out and get the groceries. So he's out there getting the recruits for sure. And I think he's an incredible motivator. So he deserve all, deserves all the credit. But if you're sitting there smiling at me like the way you are right now, trying to get me to say he's better than Dean, it ain't going to happen, son. Not so there's happening. not there's no there's no truth to the rumor that uh, the new basketball arena would be called Roy Williams Arena. Absolutely none. Right, he may just, get the court, Roy Williams Court, kind of like uh, K has Coach K's court. Rename over the there. women's locker room for him. But, Maybe. Hey, just real quick before we jump <laughs> off the game, um, if you go back and li- listen to the last podcast, it's like you stepped into a time machine when I was talking about how the game was going to be called. Um, it was called tight. Is considered one of the worst national championship games of all time because of the way they called it. And I called it. You know, I mean, I, you got to reach over here and give me a pat on the back. It was an awful game to watch. But Carolina, to cap this little Carolina speech off, they proved that they could run with you this year. They proved that they could shoot with you, rebound with you. They could make it ugly. They decided to make it ugly all tournament run long. Um, that's just what happened. But they could really, they could really go to you and say, "What do you do well?" Okay, let's do it better for the most part. So, cheers to my Tar Heels. Uh, I'm looking at Chris. He's ready to move on to the next topic. Well, so I'm ready just, to move on in life in general because I don't want to keep talking about UNC's national championship for the next 51 weeks before we do this again. Right. What I want to talk about is what UNC's got for next year. Because unlike some of the teams around them, Duke and Kentucky and Arizona, who are are staring down the barrel of of losing a lot of these one-and-dones and and these early entrants, UNC's a team, Roy Williams has been resistant to bring one-and-dones into the the program. Now, Tony Bradley has announced that uh, he's made himself eligible for the draft. Of course, he hasn't signed an agent, which is really – well, that's a discussion. Tony Bradley, first and foremost, what do you think the chances are that he actually goes into the NBA? Very slim. Um, right now, I think he's going to be an incredible player. But right now, in high-pressure situations, he can't hit six-footers. So unless between now and the draft he gets any better than that, then he played in the national – well, the whole tournament. He came in and gave good minutes – defensive wise but he's not ready for the NBA just yet he's more of a pro- project so if you're if you're drafting based on potential then sure Bradley he's your guy but I think he would do himself well by sticking in one more year you can maybe see him being maybe top six seven maybe I, I think you see and I'm just looking at it right now there's a rule that was that took plate uh, took effect last year where I guess an early entrant um has what 10 days until the after the NBA draft to decide if he's really really going to go into the NBA so oh that's not a that's not a new rule that's well, I been, thought it was a two-year rule no 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 it's been out there forever Vashawn Leonard did that 20 years ago um it, the interesting thing is when you look at all these guys that have declared for the draft this year more than normal have elected not to sign an agent to kind of keep their their options open Tony Bradley, like you said, this is a guy, this is this is a, a draft pick, if he's taken at all, um, 
that's based on potential only. You're talking about a guy that only went for seven points a night, five rebounds, you know, played about 14, 15 minutes a night for this Carolina team. But in this day and age, it's fine. It's hard to find back to the basket post players. Tony Bradley is that guy that has more of the traditional uh, post player skill set, but also can run the floor, and that's really the upside. Now, if you're if you're one of these teams looking at this guy and and all the rest of these guys that haven't uh, haven't hired an agent, you have to ask yourself: Is it worth the risk? Because what you said was pivotal. This is. For people that don't understand, if you don't hire an agent, you have until 10 days after the draft, which, yes, means that you can be drafted and then go right on back to school and the team that took you is is out of luck. Yeah, I mean, I, I just read the rule earlier. I, th- I think it reads 10 days after the NBA combine, which takes you well into June. So maybe it's that there's a little more time for you to make this decision or get out there and prove – what you look like. I know there's been a rule in terms of, you know, as long as you don't hire an agent. Um, we'll have to check on that rule. I, I'm not quite sure I understand <coughs> it. There's a, there's a new one in place that gives you until the combine, 10 days after the combine. Gotcha. But you, Bradley, you got me. You got me. Bradley, right. Bradley, let's just put it this way. Depending on his personal situation, Bradley could really serve himself to come back for another year. And I'm not just saying that as a Tar Heel fan. I think anybody looking at that last game saw saw the way he played. Now he'll bother a big. He bothered two seven foot seven foot one guys in that national championship game. I think I predicted that as well prior to the show. Or I didn't disagree with you. Um, but he's not. His offensive game is not there. He'll get eaten alive in the NBA right off the bat. Well, speaking of, of big men, Zach Collins is one of the dominoes left to fall still. And he'll have a big impact because of all the post players, of all the traditional big men, Zach Collins might be the most developed, uh, might be at the top of the board, but he hasn't decided yet. Right. So when you look at draft evaluation at this point, it's really a work in progress. Um, the top three, Markel Fultz from Washington is is in that Mix for the top three. Right. Josh Jackson from Kansas, who also hasn't declared. And then most of the, the sort of uh, collective thought process is Lonzo Ball is a top three pick. I'm going to tell you right now, I've said this before, anybody that passes on Jason Tatum <laughs> is subject to be on 30 for 30 down the road. No doubt. Because I think Jason Tatum is a transformational, pro, a transformational player. Uh, what are your thoughts? Who's at the, who's at the top of your board? Well, if it was if it was myself picking, Tatum would be number one because frankly, I guess um, Fultz is coming off an injury and nobody has really seen him play in a while. I mean, I know he's got everything. He's he's got an overall well balanced game that's fit for the NBA. For me, having seen a lot of these players play now, there's a couple off of the West Coast. You have Josh Jackson at Kansas. But Jason Tatum is the guy. Um, he came out of nowhere as a freshman. But he, to me, his overall game is right up there as good as anybody's. Now, I say that not having watched Fultz a lot, but Tatum can push the ball up the floor. He can run almost run a point, I think, with a little work. He could do that. He can get his points in the paint. He can shoot. He can do it all. 
Well, Markel Folds, you, you said something interesting. Nobody's seen him play since the injury. Not a heck of a lot of people, except for hardcore draft nicks and basketball folks, that have seen him play all year. Right. You know, there's not a whole lot of demand nationally for Husky basketball. And Markel Fultz is sort of like Moby Dick. He's the white whale. Nobody's nobody's seen him play. Mm-hmm. Um, a real athletic guy. Um, a little bit like Ben Simmons and that he's sort of a, a pass first. But went out there to Washington, put that team on his back. But what, what did it really mean? So you've got the production there um, that you don't get with a lot of these other young men. You know, right. we talked about Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley playing 14 minutes a night versus a guy like Markel Fultz, who was the you know the focal point of the offense for Washington all year. I think really, I was looking back at some stuff the other day. You can really kind of throw the statistics out because you're you're drafting tools here, yeah. and and we'll get in after the break with with uh, the sort of the difference between the seasoned college player and these one and dones that you're you're taking straight on uh, on potential. Last minute, I want to talk about. You said Tony Bradley can't hit a six footer under pressure. Right. Well, neither can Sergio Garcia until this weekend. Yes, Chris. Sergio in his seventieth major. That's the most anybody's ever played in before they won their first one. Sergio Garcia comes through and and wins on the first hole of sudden death. Good job for Sergio. Yeah. He's always been the type of guy I'd want to drink a beer with. So uh, or two or two or how many ever. You know, but uh, I did as I watched him close out. You know, thought that's just like Brandon Atkins, except exactly the opposite. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure what that meant, but I'm pretty sure it was negative. Well, anybody out there listening that wants to uh, wants to get a good laugh, invite us to come play in your golf tournament, and we promise we'll be the comic relief. Yeah, absolutely. Chris good is times. a lot better than I am. But. Uh, Chris is still not very good, so. That's indicative of just how funny it is to watch Brandon Atkins hit a I can hit a ball ball. out of a ditch, though. I've got it on video, buddy. (laughs) I've made you famous. There's there's plenty of YouTube out there if you go out and look. Brandon Atkins uh, hitting out of the ditch, off the bridge, um, through the clown's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good like that. I, I need to dust them off. I know we have the big temple theater tournament coming up may the 16th if you're interested in playing and you're near sanford north carolina um check temple shows and get registered don't go anywhere we'll be right back you grew up knowing you could do anything as a soldier in the u.s army you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible with guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields up to forty thousand dollars cash enlistment bonus you'll earn a steady paycheck get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam, I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. 
At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back, Brandon. Um, we were talking before the break about the draft and, and everything that's coming up. And there's sort of a difference when you look at these these young kids coming out of college. This, it's a whole different animal than the NFL, really. You know, the NFL, people want to put on the tape. They want to see production. Um, and they want to see it over an extended period of time. In the in the NBA, in a lot of cases, what's what's come to you know pass in the last 10 years is that these freshmen – you know, they come just to check the block and do that year in college and go straight essentially from high school to the NBA um, with with minimal production at the college level. This year's draft board, no different than than, than normal. I'm looking at uh, CBS's top 10 players of the top 10 projections at this point. Eight of those guys are underclassmen. Mm-hmm. Um, the only upperclassman in that top 10 is Justin Jackson down there right at the 10 spot. And assuming that Josh Jackson comes out, it'll be 9 to 10. I was looking at Russell Westbrook's numbers in college this week. And Russell Westbrook, during his college career at UCLA, averaged eight points, two or three assists, two or three rebounds a game. And now, you know, has become what Russell Russell Westbrook is. um, And he's having a, a historic season. Right. But... If you look back at the college tape, you and I watched enough college basketball. You saw Russell Westbrook, and every once in a while it would be, oh, my gosh. Right. You know, what did he just do? Um, but you're really taking a flyer because you don't see the sustained production over the course of a, a three- or four-year period like you do in some other sports. On the flip side of that, you've got some guys like Justin Jackson, who's in the top ten, not based on any kind of really physical tools, but based on production. Um, what's the what, what's the value? What's what's sort of the ratio? You know, how much how much stock are you putting in these young kids and the tools versus what you see on tape or or on the stat sheet? Well, first of all, I don't know if you know exactly how tall Russell Westbrook is. Do you have any idea? He to me screams like six 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 seven maybe. I thought Russell was, what Russell Westbrook was. Eight and a half feet tall. I guess my point is to have his style of game, which I mean, he can do everything, but he he does a fair amount of attacking the rim, and yeah. his frame at his size, you typically see those type of players break down over you know a season or a career, and he doesn't look like he's doing that anytime soon. He seems to get better with time, and when I'm scrolling through these top ten potential picks. You know, if I ha- if I was a GM, I'd be looking at point guards and big men. There's no shortage of your six 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 seven swing man, and you know, if you're looking at look at Malik Monk, I mean, that guy comes in at six four. Um, he can shoot the lights out, and he's streaky. He can come off the bench, but I'd be scared to death taking him in top five, like some some draft boards have him. I would much rather have a De'Aaron Fox, the point guard, or Maybe even a Dennis Smith, and I want to ask you later, 
between those two point guards who you would potentially take. Fox. Fox, I'm not even thinking about it. All day long. That kind of athleticism, when I look at a 19-year-old kid, that just jumps off the screen. Right. And De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky all season, as I watch Kentucky play, all you heard about was Malik Monk, Malik Monk, Malik Monk. Right. And Bam Adebayo, because he's got the coolest name in the world. De'Aaron Fox, to me, was the best player on that team athletically. Now, they sort of, and I don't know if it was Calipari or the system or a confidence thing or whatever, but De'Aaron Fox only rolled out that superstar athleticism once in a while until they ran up on UCLA and he dropped 39 and made Lonzo Ball look silly. Right. But De'Aaron Fox, I saw that potential from him all year. He, to me, is the NBA-ready you know, potential star of those three Kentucky underclassmen that mm-hmm. we just talked about. Now, back to Russell Westbrook. You asked how tall he was. Russell Westbrook, 6'3"? I, if he Come is, on, you can't ask me a question like that and be like, well, I don't know. No, I mean, I, to me, his frame looks sh- shorter than 6'6". Six, six. I actually No, don't he's know. not a 6'6 six, six guy. Russell yeah, he's, Westbrook, 6'3", 6'4". I would say, yeah, okay. But elite athleticism, and, and to me, the thing, just to, we're off track a little bit talking about Russell Westbrook, but Westbrook, all of the all of the pundits, all of the talking heads for the last 90 days have been trying to come up with a way to show the world how smart they are and come up with you know, a reason that Russell Westbrook – I am struggling with his name today. What's going on? Tongue twisted. It's okay. But Westbrook, they've been trying to come up with a good reason why he shouldn't be the MVP. I hope he put that to bed last night. Russell Westbrook is the best player in the NBA right now, bar none. And to me, it's not the triple-double thing. You know, the fact that, that he's good, he's the first player since Oscar Robertson to average a triple-double, who mm-hmm. will only be the second in history, he broke the record for triple-doubles in a season. That's all cool, but that's really almost gimmicky. Right. It's not a big deal. The thing with Russell Westbrook is I haven't seen a superstar in the NBA since Jordan that came out and laid everything on the line every single night. He gives it all. The athleticism that he brings is one thing. The stamina and the will to win basketball games, it puts him on a different level. And and that Oklahoma City team is, is truly on his back. Nobody wants to play him. Nobody can guard him. But Westbrook is the runaway MVP this year. And and that's no you know knock on James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, Steph, anybody else that's in the conversation, but Westbrook is the MVP. And stop trying to overthink this. There is no argument to be had. No, and the not. game that he put up yesterday, which was his third 50-point triple-double of the season, come on, man. That's the most in history in a single season. Right. What more do you need to see from the guy? What? I, here's my question. What more could he possibly have done this year to be the MVP than what he's done. The the thing that's most impressive is that he gives his team, Westbrook, gives his team what they need at that time. You know, you, there's no padding of stats, you know, going well, into the season. A, there's a little bit of padding of stats, but Maybe. it's not the points. It's the rebounds, well, but whatever. The thing with the rebounds, going into this year when they first started talking about the triple-double, and then we'll get off Westbrook, but they first, first talking about the triple-double – Everybody thought, well, rebounds is going to be tough. Well, the way the way they uh, play the rebound, they have designated boxers, and he's actually a designated rebounder. So once that became clear, um, I didn't think the rebounds were going to be as tough as everybody else 
thought it was, but in a in a player that when you need the points, he goes and gets the points. When he needs to distribute, he goes and does that. That's what's impressive, and I know that ultimately turns into a averaging a triple double. But he he doesn't just do it. He does what his team needs at that point in time. Um, and that's what I would say to anybody drafting anybody. Don't try to draft. I know Westbrook's hot. Don't try to draft the next Westbrook because he ain't on this board, not as far as I can see. I, look here. I, I'm not – nobody should be anointed like that coming out after one year in college, which right. is when you're talking about the top ten in the draft, that's what, you, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox is the same type player. The difference is, is when you look at them physically, Russell Westbrook is a man. Right. He is big swole. De'Aaron Fox has got to put on another 20 pounds. He has the same type game. He has the same type fearlessness. So maybe he is your Russell Westbrook, and that's what these teams at the top of the draft will be looking at. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, I said before – the Elite Eight matchup with UCLA-Kentucky that Kentucky would win, and the reason that they would win is because Lonzo Ball couldn't check Mm -hmm. Monk or De'Aaron Fox. 39 points later, De'Aaron Fox proved me correct. Lonzo Ball, 6'6", in my estimation, cannot run the point in the NBA. And it's because of guys like Russell Westbrook, and it's very ironic given the, you know, all of the statements from LeVar Ball and the controversies that's come with him talking about white guys and foot speed and the rest of that stuff, the reason I felt like Kentucky would get off against UCLA was the lack of quickness and foot speed at the point guard position for UCLA. Lonzo Ball was completely outmatched. De'Aaron Fox and that type quickness and explosiveness are indicative of what he's going to see in the NBA every single night. Because, yeah, you've got Westbrook, but you've got Harden, and you've got Lowry, and you've got Damian Lillard. Those guys will destroy Lonzo Ball on that end of the floor. Now, Lonzo Ball, if you take him away from the point, can he be a two? No. I'm thinking if you're a Laker fan, you got to be praying that the Phoenix Suns take him with a second pick. Because whoever gets Lonzo Ball, this is just a prediction, and I don't know anything, but a prediction, you're setting yourself back. If you got this kind of high drive pick, you'll be setting yourself back a good amount of years if you take him. There is no shortage of 6'6", shoot first. I mean, let me take that back. He has got a really good high basketball IQ. I do take that Absolutely back. does. Absolutely. That's give the strength that. of his game. But at 6'6", He's a buck 90, soaking wet. He's going to get pushed around a lot. So then that means he's got to hit the weight room. He's going to have to change his game. Can he transform his current game into something that translates into the NBA? That's yet to be seen. But he's not doing it on my time. If I'm a GM, he can go, I'll I'll take one of these bigs. Uh, I'd take Jason Tatum all day long over Alonzo Ball. Okay, well, first of all, before I I hit anything, I do want want to reset what you just said. And it has nothing to do with Lonzo Ball. Tim, okay. I want to make sure that you commit that to uh-huh. tape where Brandon said, I don't know anything. I can <laughs> I can use that later on down the road. Sure. But Lonzo Ball, you're talking about his game, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bash the guy because he had a nice year, you know, for UCLA. Um, the the notion somehow that he put that team on his back and he was a team leader, first of all, is nonsense. Right. Uh, you're talking about TJ Leaf and Alford, a, a really, really talented UCLA team. He just happened to be the point guard. Yes, he came up big in some big moments. He's got that nice jumper, but mechanically that jumper bothers me as well. It's right. a slow release, and he's gotten away with shooting the ball almost from his chest on that fadeaway. That's not going to work in the NBA. It's not. 
you're you're not playing against point guards that are five eleven. You're playing against point guards that are six three to six six. Or and if he if he plays the two, you can cancel Christmas. Those guys right. are six five six six. If you're shooting the ball from that release point low like that, you're just not going to get that shot off. Well, for the Bruins, you missed you mentioned T.J. Leaf, who I feel like is going to be. A awfully high value pick if he's if he goes anywhere below where he's projected. I think he's around 20, 21, 22, depending on what you're looking at. But when UCLA played Kentucky, first of all, as a Carolina fan, I didn't want to play either one of them, either one of these teams. But when I saw TJ Leaf, I said, that is a guy who could definitely give us problems. And I could see his game instantly trans, you know, translating into the NBA and uh, you know, getting them any we're inside the top 15 where I have them here, number 22, according to what I'm looking at, draft, draftexpress.com. Well, you can finish that up after the break. Okay. You're listening to Chris and Brandon. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.